Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brace, and it's showtime here in Berks County on this beautiful Saturday morning right here on AM Radio, 1180 WFYL. Folks, you tune in every Saturday with us because you know we're, we're an oasis of truth, and we're a guidepost of truth that you check on every week to get the perspective that you don't get anywhere else. And we know we provide that because uh, whether you live in Jenkintown or whether you live in King of Prussia, whether you live in Pennsburg, it doesn't matter, folks. If you're in Southeast Pennsylvania, you'll listen to us on Saturday morning because you want to know the truth that you can bank on in Denver from a perspective that's objective and uh, clear and concise and coming at you very quickly at the speed of sound. So let's jump right into this, folks. We've got some information we want to talk a little bit about. We had uh, we had the uh, Women of Courage Award that was that was uh, just given to somebody. Uh, um, it was basically uh, it uh, it was honored. We uh, the Joe Biden's administration honored a biological male with an International Women of Courage Award last week. We want to talk a little bit about that. We want to talk about what a reprobate mind looks like, and we also want to talk a little bit about why what the reprobate society looks like as well. We want to get into that, but we want to talk a little bit about what McCarthy is vowing to publicly release all of the Capitol's footage on the January 6th uh, incident. And of course, uh, we're talking about how the mainstream media is going to go apoplectic about how certain members of Congress now want to go visit these people that are in this jail that have been in the jail for two years about this. I'm talking about that. We want to talk about John on uh, John Fetterman and his situation, how it's getting a little bit weirder. We want to talk a little bit about that. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about what a weaponized FBI the Justice Department looks like. Um, and basically how they how they refuse to answer basic questions on like, for instance, whether Hunter Biden's laptop is disinformation. Uh, we're going to get to some of that, and we're also going to get to uh, uh, Biden's value statement with his big tax hike spending budget, and uh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to a whole lot more on today's show, so let's jump right into it. First, I want to talk a little bit about what a reprobate mind is, and what's interesting, and in Romans 1, it talks a little bit about what happens when God turns a nation over to a reprobate mind. He turns them over to sinful desires of their heart and impurities and, and, and degradation of their bodies of one another. And they exchanging truth, exchanging the truth about God for a lie. And it goes on to say how, how they, uh, how they're, how they're just, they're filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity and full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, slanderers, God haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. And folks, this is stuff we see on the news every day. And I think it became apparent here when we had what's apparently uh, international, uh, I, guess, I guess it was International Women of Courage Award on Wednesday uh, that uh, uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, Winken, Blinken and Nod gave the gave an Ar Argentinian man a Women of Courage Award. That's right. They gave the Women of Courage Award to Alba Rueda, who is a man, okay? But he's identifying as a woman. And I think what's interesting on all of that is we need to understand that this is the evidence-based proof of what happens as described in Romans 1. When a nation is turned over and they're literally 
uh, you know, they're, they're, they're carrying around the nobility of, of they're, they're, they're proud and arrogant and boastful about their insolence and about their, their wickedness and their, their being filled with this type of wickedness and depravity. When they can't see and they deny that, when they deny, uh, true science and, and now they're, they're out there making declarations of, of, uh, you know, the, the issuing awards out, giving women's awards to men. And I, I just think it's in, as an extraordinary woman. So they're giving this guy, uh, who I said, who's identifying as a woman, an extraordinary woman award. I think that's just telling. And, uh, they're, they're, I mean, all these years, all these years of, of, uh, you know, the, the fight for, 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 for uh, women's rights and so forth that over the last hundred years seemingly are being washed or dashed away here in one fell swoop. We already see it with, with men competing in women's sports and colleges. And, and um, obviously now we've got men uh, receiving women's awards, uh, women of courage awards in, in, uh, in government ceremonies by our secretary of state, Anthony Winken, Blinken and Nod. As he winks and blinks through this thing, he all, I mean, he, I mean, obviously they're celebrating this, this type of thing. And what's really tragic on all of this is just because they're celebrating this, uh, they're, they're missing the whole point that, that they're, they're supporting this person's delusion. I think that's the real tragedy of it and, uh, the real horror and sadness of it all. But I want to get into some other news of the day. Uh, McCarthy is releasing. For full public release, the Capitol records, the surveillance tapes of the Capitol, uh, you know, of the hundreds of people that were inside the Capitol building. And we already kind of saw some of this. Um, it's being, it's been released to, uh, Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson had it out there, um, on his show and he's been looking it over and reviewing it. And you can see on the videotape people being let in and actually given guided tours by the Capitol police themselves, people walking down the hallways taking selfies uh i mean you did have some you did have some um some people that were uh you know breaking things obviously and, and out of order and you know kicking things in and so forth i mean they, they came into a window some of them but a large majority of the people came in through the door they were let in and a large majority of the people were kind of escorted around and walked right past capitol police as the capitol police were watching um i can remember year uh well, years ago when this happened, I can remember when it occurred. I remember saying to people that I thought the day I heard about it, and I believed uh, that this was a giant setup. And the reason I believed it was a giant setup was because the Capitol building is one of the most secure buildings on planet Earth. And we know that. We know that. We know the Capitol building is a secure building. And obviously, it's one of the most secure buildings on planet Earth. We know that. All of a sudden, it wasn't a secure building anymore. So what changed? What caused it to go from secure to insecure? You know, what caused all that to happen? And, and, and what happened was, uh, obviously, there was a coordinated effort to let people in. They had barricades set up outside as legalities were there. And the legal experts probably said, well, you got to put barricades out there, but don't put any people on the other side of the barricades. In other words, we'll just have metal barricades out there and we'll watch these We'll watch these Trump supporters walk right past, knock them down and go right past those barricades because there's nobody there. There's no police on the other side of the barricades. 
So when you have barricades that are up with nobody on the other side of the barricade, obviously security to stop, you know, to 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 basically support the barricades from infiltration, okay, people behind the barricades, there wasn't any of that. Um, you know, from what I understand, the whole, and we can see this in the videotapes. Of course, they get into the building, and then we can see them going through and, uh, you know, going through the buildings with a sort of guided tour. I mean, being shown around by the Capitol Police, being walked down the hallways by people. Now, some of these people, many of them, are in jail. They've been in jail for two years. And, I mean, the real, the real tragedy on all this is you've got the mainstream news that are calling anyone who wants to go see these people in jail clowns and idiots. I mean, they're being called out as clowns and idiots because they want to go see the prisoners that have been kept in these isolation wards in jail without being tried and convicted and without due process. What law did they break? And what is their sentence? They weren't even sentenced, these people. They're in jail without being sentenced. I believe many of them are. And, you know, I mean, again, you got guys like, like uh, you got people on MSNBC and CNN, and they're out there denouncing this, comparing all... They're saying that it's, you know, uh, talking about the politics of it and the wisdom or lag thereof, and Republicans reopening this and talking about this publicly. Well, why are they doing this? Because of the injustice that people are in jail without a trial and without, you know, w- without without the result of a trial, you know, like the conviction and the and the uh, and the and the judgment itself, you know. So there's a group of Republicans that want to go see these people, and they're planning to visit the prison where these people are being held and again people who beat up cops well i'm curious to know which cops got beat up i'm really kind of wanting to figure this out and you know we know what happened in minneapolis when they burned the police down police station down of course i don't remember joe starbo talking about that you know when they burned the police station down in minneapolis they actually caught the perpetrators and it was joe o'biden's campaign staff that that started up a gofundme page if you will to get or some sort of a funding apparatus to get these people out of jail. So Joe Biden's own campaign worked to get these people released from jail. And they burned a police station down. Now, I'm not saying that people that are illegally uh, trespassing on the on the Capitol building, when the Capitol building's obviously been closed, is is wrong. But the police were could have been there preventing this from happening. The security could have prevented these people from ever getting through the door. We know this. See, if that building was actually secure with what, with, well, they were being offered National Guardsmen, we know that from what Trump had said, he offered them all kinds of security. They turned it down. They didn't want security. The only thing they had was, see, the, the Capitol, again, the Capitol building is secured by the Speaker of the House, who was Nancy Pelosi at the time. And she had, I mean, we, we, we know the evidence of all of this, and of course the Capitol tapes show it, but there were limited police presence there. Now, they knew that there were going to be about a million Trump supporters in Washington, D.C., and they knew that Trump was going to come out and speak to these people. And so what they were trying to do is they were basically laying it out there saying, fine, let them march up on the Capitol building to protest the Capitol building. Okay, well, we'll get the security outside. We'll have the barricades out there. We'll have a few hundred police officers out there with tear gas to prevent anything from happening. Oh, well, that didn't happen. No, Nancy Pelosi had the barricades with no police officers and no tear gas, at least not initially. They brought the tear gas out once the people started breaking into the Capitol building. Then the tear gas comes out. But it was a fate. It was a feeble effort. As I stated, I was having conversations with people 
And I saw right through it from the very beginning. I said, this doesn't sound right. How did these people get into the Capitol building? They were unarmed. How, how do, you know, how do, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred unarmed civilians, you know, penetrate security? How did they do it? They do it with clubs? Did they, did they break through with nets and clubs and spears and knives? I mean, what'd they do? How'd they get past security? Oh, there was no security. That's the point. You see, folks, don't miss that. Our listeners need to know the objective truth. This was a setup to get Trump supporters who they knew would be passionate because they just felt that that things did that that the election was 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 uh, fraudulently run, and they believed that uh, things were were occurring with these mail-in ballots that threw some because obviously they were counting ballots for days and days and days. So, I mean, I think with the extensive counting, the fact that election wasn't called the same night, the fact that Trump was up by 900,000 votes, I think, on election night, and then he ended up losing in some of these states by, like, a few thousand votes. You know, you got to understand that people saw right through that, and they were protesting this. They were in there, they were there protesting. Whatever, the, it's their right to protest. There was a million people there on the public property there at the, at the Capitol building. And... Again, that the the Speaker of the House knew this was occurring. So why didn't she show up the police? Why didn't she show up the security of the building? Why was the building more secure on January 5th than it was on January 6th? These are facts, folks. These are facts that you can bank on in Denver. Why was the building more secure on January 5th than it was on January 6th? What happened? You know, when you have the people in charge of security that are deliberately bringing down the, the level of security in order to, well, it sort of it sounds a little bit like what Joe Biden did with the Ukraine and Russia. I mean, a little bit. You know, let's uh, let's just give Putin a, a faint. Let's give him a false message. Let's make Putin feel that, uh, you know, let's make Putin understand and see it that, uh, you know, no big deal. Okay. I mean, a slight incursion won't be a problem. Okay. Let's just make Putin feel that and understand that, you know, so, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at on it. So I thought that was interesting, you know, and, uh, you know, I think it's really um, it's really important that we understand that we have individuals that are overlooking this guys that are responsible to convey the truth to the public, people whose job it is to put the honest to goodness perspective out there and to flush out the nonsense and to get right to the nitty and the gritty and the very fibers of truth guys like joe scarborough is one of those people and he's in the he starts it all out by name calling because they want to go see the people that have been in prison for two years some without a trial and certainly without judgment i mean when a judge casts when a trial is over the judge passes the sentence he passes the sentence what is the sentence one year in jail 18 months in jail five years in jail i don't know what is the sentence for public for trespassing on private property? I should say, what is the sentence for trespassing on public property? I don't know. I don't know. What is the sentence for vandalism? What's the evidence? Who kicked the door in? Who's the person that got arrested for that? Who's the person that got arrested for whatever vandalism occurred, the broken glass or whatever? Those people should have a more serious offense and a more serious sentence, I should say, more lengthy, a more lengthy punishment and sentence than the person that just walks down the the corridors is taking selfies in the hallways with the police walking by, calmly walking by them. 
not to say that, I mean, I think all of these people should have some price to pay for what they did. They had no business being in there. But the point comes down to is it was a setup. Like I said, Putin has no business being in the Ukraine, but it was a setup. Okay, and, 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 the, and the evidence of that was when Communista Harris went down to, made her statements over there just before Putin invaded with his 100,000 troops by saying it would be wonderful to have the Ukraine in NATO. Again, kind of flaunting that out there, making Putin, enraging Putin into doing something that he, well, he thought he could do. And, you know, the two-week the two week in, at, at war, if you will, the slight two-week incursion, okay, that, that Putin thought he was going to be, you know, committing with O'Biden's approval, okay, turns out to be a, a one-year war. This is what we're looking at now. Again, this is what a setup looks like. We know what a setup looks like. I knew, in, I knew instantly when I'm being told a story that this was a setup. And now the evidence is coming out with these January 6th videos. It's all coming out there. And, and, you know, the mainstream media is outraged because they didn't, they didn't get the video. The video was given to Tucker Carlson, so they don't like it. But, you know, what's interesting is that the mainstream fake news is out there now declaring that, well, they're, that they're, they don't want to call these people political prisoners. Well, what do they want to call them? Domestic terrorists? What about the people that burned the police station in Minneapolis or besieged a city in Seattle or New York? Or neighborhoods in Chicago. What do they want to call these gang members that besiege neighborhoods? Keep people from going outside. What do they want to call that? They want to call them domestic terrorists? This is the double standard we're talking about here, folks. Okay, what about the homeowners that, are, that live on the southern border of this country, that own property, that pay taxes, that are law-abiding citizens? What about those people being besieged, okay, by people coming over the border illegally? And what should we call those people in government that are enabling these people to come over illegal? Again, this is where we're at on all this. I mean, if we're going to start name-calling, we're going to start labeling people, we can start right there at the federal government. But make no mistake about it, they want to go in and see these people. They've been in jail for two years, and they want to go in and see them. I guess they want to heighten it. They're going to highlight the idea of what's going on here. And again, there, there, there are human rights abuses that they're, that they're getting claims on, such as the fact that they've been held in solitary confinement for 23 hours a day and denied the ability to see their family. I and mean, this is what's going on. We know this is what's going on. Okay. These are reports that they're seeing. And they, you know, when you have members of Congress that can't go in and see these prisoners, well, there's, there's some rights that are, I mean, they have constitutional rights. And these rights are being overlooked by these politicians in a weaponized Department of uh, Department of Justice or no justice. And I think it's really tragic because you've got people who's, who have the charge and the, the re responsibility of reporting news and they're mocking these people. You know, instead of trying to say, okay, they were wrong, they shouldn't have been doing this, and they're, now they're in jail. But if there are reports, if there are reports... If there truly are reports, okay, of human rights abuses, we need to get to the bottom of it. But they're not saying that. I can remember when they had the terrorists, the Al-Qaeda terrorists, back when Bush was president, and they had the waterboarding. And that was a big deal. They were waterboarding terrorists to get them to talk. Now, for, for our listeners that may not know what waterboarding is, waterboarding is simulated drowning. So what they do is they lay you down on a board, and they kind of put your head back, and they put your feet up, and they pour water down your nose. And basically, it simulates drowning as water goes into your, 
your nasal cavity it just it just goes into your respiratory system so they start choking instantly and it makes them talk obviously and and but that was the the cruel and inhumo- the cruel and unusual punishment the human rights abuses that the CIA and the US military were guilty of okay at the very beginning at the be- very beginning of the Iraq war and of course in the terrorist attacks and it was these very liberals okay that were denouncing this as a human right abuse so these are terrorists these were true terrorists and enemies of our country. They would kill Americans at a nanosecond, okay? Many of them were planning to do it when they were found and, again, waterboarded and, and brought brought to uh, answering questions of the who's who in the terrorist world by, by techniques such as waterboarding. Now, I mean, these same people that are calling this a mockery, if you will, that are mocking this whole thing, these same people that are mocking these Republicans for wanting to visit these people in Washington who are being held in these jails to check their conditions, these same people that are mocking these Republicans, calling them idiots and clowns for wanting to see these people and daring to call these people political prisoners, these same journalists, these fake journalists, 20 years ago, many of them still in business, okay, weren't doing it then they were they were going to bat for these terrorists saying i can't believe the human rights abuses we're doing against these these suspected terrorists so they're going to bat for terrorists to prevent waterboarding but they're not going to bat for humans you know for for american citizens that have been in jail if you will or imprisoned if you will okay uh for and are being uh i guess is uh being suspected as having to be enduring human right abuses such as, again, such as, uh, you know, solitary confinement for 23 hours a day, not being able to see their family, not having working toilets, et cetera, not, not even issued, not even receiving medical treatment when they need it. I mean, they're, they're making these people suffer, okay? So these are facts on the ground, and you got members of Congress that want to go in and see this. They've been denying, believe it, folks, they've been de- de- denying for two years these American citizens, they've been denying for two years these American citizens from having people come in to see them. That's unbelievably inconscionable. Unconscionable. You know, it, it's like I said, it's one thing if it's a terrorist that evaporated, you know, the lives of hundreds of people in a terrorist attack. And, it, and even that person should have work in toilets, okay? Let's just cut the comedy. And that person should get a doctor's treatment when they're supposed to. At least that's the law, I believe. I believe that is the law. But what's the law and what's enforceable, again, what's being enforced, the law that is being enforced to protect the the human rights of these terrorists that are in jail, and yes, the people that burned the police stations and you know, in in, in Minneapolis, okay, a couple of years ago, and that that uh that besieged the city of Seattle and Portland and New York City and other neighborhoods in Chicago and gang violence that are protecting gang members from being deported, these same people are against the, 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 are against the constitutional human rights of our American citizens. That's, that's a glaring double standard, folks. I don't want anyone to miss here. So this is the thing that we're talking about here. And again, the No Justice Department's out there, Fay Ray, who's leading the No Justice Department, okay, he's, uh, He's out there now, and and he's he's basically saying, uh, Fay Ray has uh, he refuses, okay, to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is not disinformation. 
So Fay Ray would not answer the question. So they asked they asked FBI Director Fay Ray uh, to uh, if Hunter's la- Hunter Biden's laptop is disinformation, and, and Christopher Ray, otherwise known as Fay Ray, uh, refused to answer the question. Wouldn't answer. And you know it's an ongoing investigation. I can't talk about it. Well, you can answer this. You see, he re- he doesn't understand that the people, okay, that are on the House uh, that that are on the House uh, committee, if you will, the House Intelligence Committee, that those very people, many of them, are lawyers. <laughs> so he's telling these attorneys, uh, you know, I can't tell, I can't answer it. Well, they're they're asking they're asking him a question they know he can answer. You can say whether or no it's not disinformation. That's all I can say. Okay, there was a laptop, and there's a whole lot of stuff on there we're going through. That's all I can say. They can certainly answer that question. I'm not even an attorney, and I I know they can answer that question. This is the amazing phenomenon. But see, that's what a that's what a weaponized Justice Department looks like. Okay, you've got an FBI director up there now. Oh, I wanted to get into as well what I thought was interesting is that uh, that was also being mocked, but. Getting back to uh, to one comment that was being made uh, uh, about uh, one of the fake news experts that were talking about the January 6th meeting, I thought was interesting. They were actually uh, saying that they're trying to put the investigators of the January 6th investigation on trial, sort of like they did with Durham, and it didn't work, they said. I thought that was interesting. I believe it was Scarbo made that comment. I believe it was him. But somebody made that comment. Let me just help whoever it was that made the comment. It was Joe Scarborough. I hope he's listening to our show. And he'll understand now uh, that it was, in fact, the Durham report was, in fact, it it did, in fact, result in the indictment of the FBI because of, of, of an employee of the FBI. I mean, a, a direct individual for the FBI acting on behalf of the FBI, Dr. DeFizel warned. That guy went to jail. OK, so there was a casualty of the FBI, the indicted Justice Department on Durham's report. And I guess Scarborough overlooked that. So when you investigate the investigators and you find and discover that one of the investigators fudged, you know, fudged evidence to to corroborate and get his own to get happen what have happened, if you will, but basically to incriminate fudged evidence to create probable cause. That guy went to jail. So, yes, you do investigate investigators. So getting back to the, uh, you know, what's going on with the Justice Department now looking at Hunter Biden's laptop, when you had everybody in the news two years ago calling it disinformation, and now now you've got Christopher Ray, a.k.a. Fay Ray, who doesn't want to say, well, it's not disinformation, we have a laptop, but that's all I can say. That's it, he could say that and it wouldn't matter. At least come out and say it's not disinformation. But when you're weaponized, on behalf of your boss, who is the president of the United States, then you don't want to upset your boss. So when your boss is watching your 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 testimony and you're being asked a direct question related to something that your boss's son might be related to, i.e. a laptop from hell or maybe evidence that may be in his garage or something, you know, top secret documents stashed in his garage along with the uh, along with the tomato plant stands and the Christmas decorations top secret classified documents stacked up in the garage along with the Christmas decorations. Yeah. Halloween decorations. Yeah. That's along with the snowblower. Okay. That wasn't used this year. 
you know, folks, this is what we're talking about here. This is what a weaponized Justice Department looks like. So they come out and they say, well, we can't answer that question. But if they would ask that question about Donald Trump's son, oh, yeah, well, we, we have a laptop. See, the double standard, you know, exists and you know how they would answer that question. That's the key. That's what I think is hilarious on this. And um, I, I just think it's imperative that we understand that when you're looking at a corrupt justice system, I mean, I used to look up to the FBI. I remember as a kid watching the TV show, the FBI Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And literally it was a it was a I mean I I looked at it as as the you know the gold standard of law enforcement in, on planet Earth. I really did. I mean, I mean the RFBI is the most honorable of all law enforcement agencies on planet Earth. That's why I used to see it. Until, of course, they fabricated evidence to create a FISA warrant. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I you know, against I, I, you know, I mean I, against the an associate of Trump to get an investigation on Trump. Okay. I think at that point we realized, okay, well, they fabricated evidence. Okay. Now we know what they did. You know, don't miss this folks. I, you know, you look at what's going on with the justice department right now. And, and, you know, and, and you understand it's, it's unbelievably appalling what we're seeing. Okay. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Biden's value statement and budget and what he's seeking for tax hikes and spending increases and mounting debt and how he wants to handle it. So he wants to, he's going to propose a budget proposal that's going to score political points with his base. I, I don't know. I mean, the green energy. You know, what's interesting is they're using government money. And be, before I get into this budget a little bit here, I want to talk about what they're doing with government money. They're actually creating, they're actually creating, uh, in industry with this green industry they're they're using crony capitalism to benefit so normally in the private sector and in the regular marketplace what promotes a buying decision in the marketplace and what creates a buying decision in a consumer is the need for the product or the want for the product the need or want and then of course the level of want or need and, and how it you know creates the urgency of it and how they're willing to pay for it, how much they're willing to pay for it. Then, of course, competition itself and other options, other options, if you will, of the service and the product that's being out there. So, like, for instance, if you cannot afford uh, a luxury car, but you need an automobile, maybe you go buy a Chevy Spark, or maybe you buy a little, a small Kia, or maybe you buy a moped, or maybe whatever it is you do. Maybe you go buy, uh, you know, rapid transit, you know, uh, passes, okay, in your city to avoid having to buy a car. Whatever it is, you got to get you got to get around. So that's a need that you have as a consumer. You have a need as a consumer to get around. So if you live in the suburbs, you're going to need an automobile, okay, or you're going to have to use Uber, okay. Uh, so the to the level of that needs going to determine how far you have to go and how many miles you have to travel. And so all these things create the buying. To, for the consumer. So the consumer goes out and buys an automobile based upon what they think they need or the mode of transportation, if you will, that they think they need. Well, when the government intervenes and the government inserts itself with, with regulations and yes, even laws, what ends up happening is they create an environment to where operating a car is so much money, you know, buying the automobile, then repairing the automobile, and then, of course, maintaining the automobile, not just putting gas in it, but everything else. So when they can increase the cost of the automobile to a certain level, it makes it makes a less effective, less efficient mode of transportation 
more appealing. Okay. So now because they can't afford the, the effective efficient one, they pay for the ineffective, inefficient one. They pay less money. So they have more money for discretionary spending in other areas. So they force a buying decision. They force somebody that either use public transportation or to buy a smaller car or, or whatever it is. Okay. That they have to do to get back and around or whatever. So they're forcing this American who has the right, the constitutional right to pursue happiness. They're forcing that person into a mode of transportation that will limit their happiness and their pursuit of happiness, either A, by the cost that they have to spend for that mode of transportation, or by the lack of, well, the, the lack of comfort or whatever you want to call it, or the time it takes to do the travel, whatever, the time out of the day it takes, the limitations of the person's day now at discretionary hours of the day that they have to spend the way they want to spend, okay, those are all eaten up by ineffective, inefficient travel. So crony capitalism, okay, by their passing laws to increase the cost of automobiles, by their passing laws and regulations to increase the cost of fuel, by their by their passing laws and regulations and whatnot in trade rules, by affecting how we get auto parts and affecting how auto repair shops can operate. In other words, more regulation and more cost to them, higher cost for the repairs. Everything that's regulated down increases the cost to the consumers. Everything. So if they, if they through strangling regulation create, can create an environment to where automobiles are so expensive, who can afford them? Then they will achieve their goal of getting rid of cars and outlawing cars. Okay. By taking people who cannot afford them and making them so that they can't buy them, making them so expensive and so expensive to operate, so expensive to buy and whatnot. And if they can ruin education, which is what they're doing. And forcing people to be able to not be able to read and write efficiently or not be able to problem solve effectively. If they can make those people, um, if they can bring those people, I think, to a, to a mindset, if you will, um, you know, where they can't get an education, therefore they can't get the high paying, high caliber job they want. So they're going to force them into something, a minimum job. And of course, they can claim that they want to help their buying power by increasing minimum wage. But they know, as well as we're telling you on our show, that when they increased minimum wage, they increased the cost of living along with it. See, and, and again, where was those perspectives? When they were talking about minimum wage years ago, they were all over this minimum wage increase. But you heard us say, because we've been doing this show for five years, that the cost of raising minimum wage will raise the cost of living everybody. We were saying that on our show here. We were saying how it will increase the cost of living to every American. Well, it's it's evident what it is because when you increase when you increase the, the when you take what was the buying power twelve years ago, what ten twelve dollars would buy like ten years ago, and now you're 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 taking that that same buying power of twelve dollars from 10, 10 or twelve years ago to what eighteen dollars an hour pays for now. Literally, just because you're paying somebody six or seven dollars more an hour doesn't mean you're doing them better. I mean, if the cost of, of everything that they're buying goes up along with it, so their buying power doesn't increase. If you had to rate, if you had to rate the buying power of an American that makes thirty thousand dollars a year, if you had to say, okay, their buying power on a scale of one through ten is a three, and the buying power of a person making fifty thousand dollars ten years ago, the buying power on a scale of one to ten was say a six. So the buying power of fifty thousand ten years ago was like a six. And uh, maybe 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 a five or a six, and then the buying power of somebody making thirty thousand or twenty five thousand was maybe a three. That's about ten years ago. 
Well, today, if you increase the you know minimum wage and you take that that you know what was once you know twenty dollars, twenty thousand dollars a year, and you make it you know thirty, or you take what was once thirty and make that forty, and you take what was once forty and make that fifty or fifty, sixty, and so on. Ten years later, you increase it. You increase the annual salary, okay, by twenty percent, but the cost of living goes up twenty percent. Then their buying power doesn't change. So fifty thousand is still, you know, is is probably well fifty thousand, which used to be thirty thousand, still has a buying power of about a three or four. And what thirty thousand is, which used to be twenty thousand or eighteen thousand, well, that's still a buying power of a, of a two or three. You see. You don't increase the level of buying power. You're not increasing that at all. That's what it is. And so when you rate the buying power of someone's paycheck, you know, when, you, when you're when raising everyone's paycheck as you're raising minimum wage, that buying power doesn't actually increase. So the impact of their, of their, of their paycheck is not as strong or is not made stronger by the increase in pay, not if the prices go up. So this is what's happening. And crony capitalism is bringing this about. So what's happening is they're forcing people into electric cars, trying to make it look like, well, this is better for our country and better for the world. <clears throat> After all, it it, admit, it helps us prevent the emission of greenhouse gases, right? But the very people that are forcing us into these green electric cars, they themselves drive SUVs and pri- pri- drive around in private jets. So let's cut the comedy. <clears throat> they're not exactly living by the same standards that they're wanting you to live by. This is where we're at, folks. Okay? They want the suffering to happen with those farther down the pay scale. You're talking about people that make 100000 a year, 200000 a year. They're not worried about a gas price. They're not worried about being forced into electric cars through because of gas prices and the cost of living. These are people that can afford to pay for a car, and they can afford to, to drive that car and pay for the maintenance. Oh, it's an inconvenience to them because they got to pay more, but they're not going to go to an electric car. They're not going to be limited by how much driving. They, they're going to limit how much driving they do every day by going to an electric car. That They're not going to do that. They're certainly not going to limit how long it takes to go 800 miles. I mean, right now you can hop in an automobile and drive 800 miles, literally, and you can be there in, you know, I mean, literally, you could be there in, in a matter of hours. In a matter of hours, okay? <clears throat> I mean, you could be there in about 15 hours, 16 hours. Okay, drive straight or you can go to a hotel and get there the next day, right and early. Either way, it's about a 15-hour drive, okay? Or it's about a three-hour flight or a two-hour flight. But with an electric car, it's about a three-day drive because you got to charge the car. So you can drive 300 miles or whatever, then you got to charge the car, then you can drive another 300 or so, or 280, 250, 240, whatever, then you got to charge your car again, then you can make it the third day. So it literally increases the amount of travel time. How is that effective and efficient travel for Americans? It isn't. And the very fact we all know what happens to batteries, when batteries, what happens to a battery in the life of the battery, okay? I mean, you can see the batteries lose their abilities to hold the charge. They also lose their abilities to take a quicker charge. A brand new battery charges a whole lot faster than a battery that's been charged several times. We know this. We know how batteries work because we all have cell phones. We all have computers. We all know what happens. So these are facts that we can know and understand. So when they're wanting to pass legislation and create legislation and laws to promote electric, environmental, 
you know, green Cretan energy products and services. What they're looking to do, folks, is they're, lo- they're looking to minimize the living standards of Americans who cannot, who don't have a lot of buying power. And their buying power is restricted because of the laws and regulations that they've passed on companies. And their fate, their fate, if you will, is saying, well, we, we did ensure that you had a minimum wage increase, didn't we? Well, yeah, but your minimum wage increase increased the cost of living across America. I mean, we have inflation nation now because we have a lot of this has to do with the fact that we're bringing people into for work at $18 an hour when they used to make $12 an hour 10 years ago. So this is what we all understand because we're objective observers. So make no more, they made no mistake about it. Okay, folks, these electric cars, these electric green energy components will not be effective, efficient travel for Americans. It's none of that. Okay. What it is, it is a, uh, it truly is a matter of Americans just saying, look, you know, I'm going to give in because I'm being pressured by all the bullies of the green Cretan sector. I mean, they're literally, they, 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 they go out there and they, they shame you into it. I mean, this is what they do. This is their play. Okay. This is what a reprobate world looks like, folks. Okay. You've got, you know, not only you have, not only have God haters and slanderers, but you've got gossips. You've got people inventing ways of doing evil. I mean, this is what it is. How can they make life miserable on people? How do evil people, how do evil people work as lawmakers how do they how do they perform as lawmakers well they devise and bent ways of doing evil that's what they do you know you, you got to understand so his his tax problem program is all about it's all about you know how can i raise the cost of li- living on americans i mean his tax hikes and spending increases even though they're unlikely to pass either the, the house or the senate uh you know that he's going to put them out there anyway because it's a signal of the Democrat priorities. This is what they think. They think they're going to win on their value statement. They don't understand that Americans really don't see the value statement because guys like Joe Scarborough aren't up there talking about it. So they're, they're out there trying to promote this thing. Now, the next thing would be for an America First media to be out there saying, okay, let's, let's measure Joe Biden's budget. Let's see the aspects of this budget, the components of this budget, and let's see how they will affect the lives of Americans. You don't see anybody on the fake news doing this, folks. They're not doing this. They parade instead. They parade fake experts out there to promote a silly narrative um, that our planet is, you know, <clears throat> you know, the polar caps are melting and their ocean levels are rising. They're promoting a narrative on how mankind is ruining the planet. I mean, these are the same people who denied a lab leak with the coronavirus, the Wuhan Chinese virus. They were denying a lab leak two years ago. Now they're all saying, well, I guess it was a lab leak. Well, no kidding. We were saying on this show for two years, it was a lab leak. Now they're, now you've got people in government and on the media saying, yeah, it was a lab leak. Well, what does that mean? If, the, if it's a lab leak, folks, that means it was a biological attack. <clears throat> because a lab leak was either intentional or accidental. And I'm going to go on record by saying accidental lab leaks don't really occur, folks. They really don't. Not with the precautions they take place. You know, but what again, what they're doing is they want to raise taxes, okay? They want to raise the they want to raise the pay rate of federal workers five point two percent. So in other words, what why is he doing that? Well, because there's nearly three million votes in the government worker level. I mean, when you look at government workers, there's 
3 million people. And to put that in perspective, okay, 3 million people is about 2% of the entire electorate. That's just federal government workers. They will also give money to state governments to give pay raises to their state workers and unions. If they can give every public worker a pay raise, not just on the federal on the federal level, it's about two percent, two and a half percent of the entire electorate. If you look at all the votes that took place, 130 million people voted in the last election. 140, 140 million, 150 million, say 150 million voted, allegedly voted in the last election. Well, three million is two percent of that. So two percent of that is three million people. Okay, now let's let's compound that. Let's Let's give money to state governments so they can get pay raises to the teachers' units. Let's make sure they can fund those pay raises. Now they just added another 3%. Okay, so now they, the, 5% of the entire electorate in last year's election are like 90%, 95% Democrat voters. That's what, they, that's what these pay raises are all about. So what is the significance of him offering pay raises to federal government workers? It's about padding the votes. He's solidifying the votes. We gave you a pay raise of almost five and a half percent. That's what they're trying to do. Now, he has a spending plan in the battleground state of Pennsylvania because he's staking out here at PA what he believes is popular terrain that'll make it hard for Republicans to criticize without risking blowback. So he's trying to figure it out. So he wants to give tax hikes on the wealthy to limit federal borrowing including reversal of the 2017 tax cuts made by Trump on people earning above $400,000. Now, that's what he's looking to do here in Pennsylvania, but in other states as well. As he claims, the added revenues are going to help improve Medicare, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's all about figuring out how to fund more government. He's trying, it's not about, it's not how, it's not improving Medicare. It's about giving a pay raise to those government workers. He just talked about it. Okay. He wants to give a he wants to pay for the pay raise. So let's raise taxes on everybody earning over four hundred thousand dollars, which basically mean raise taxes on every small business owner everywhere. So in the run up to the plan's increase, he's floating a new tax on incomes above a hundred million that would target billionaires. He's calling for lower prescription drug prices, while and the tax that companies pay on stock buybacks would be quadrupled. Uh, so uh, companies pay a tax on stock buybacks, and they're being charged a tax for that. And those earning above 400000 would pay an additional Medicare tax and would help uh, keep a program solvent, as he claims, okay? So his budget, again, it isn't about that, trust me. These are the same people that messed up Social Security in the first place. So Biden's budget is going to, you know, we're going to trust them. We're going to trust their party. These are the ones that gave us the Department of Education. We want to trust them to fix education? I don't think so. So his budget is going to seek to close the carried interests loophole that allows people and you know to pay their taxes at a lower rate, you know, as he calls hedge fund managers, okay, prevent billionaires from being able to set aside large amounts of their holdings in tax favored retirement accounts. Who's he going after here, folks? Think about it. The people that own these companies. He he wants to take people that own companies to sell their companies. This is what they're looking to do. Get people out of this. The official who provided for the budget details spoke of condition of anonymity to, uh, again, uh, they don't want to say who they are because they know that they're going to be talking about, well, all these details are very sticky, wicked details. They don't want to get into it, okay? 
they want to target insurance companies that, you know, they want to target insurance companies. They want to, uh, uh, that's, I mean, insurance companies, you know, medical, they provide medical insurance. Now, what does he need to target them? Okay. He wants, he wants to, uh, basically he wants to go after them for the, for their, they're making too much money because they're anticipating savings of 20 billion through repayments to the government. Okay. So he wants, again, he, He's, he's saying, okay, well, any, any profits that they have, any additional profits they have, we want to tax that. We want to end subsidies valued at $31 billion for oil and gas companies. He wants to raise gas prices. There you go there. And the subsidy is going to increase gas prices. He says it right there, folks. Then he wants to, he wants to scrap the $10 billion tax break for real estate investors. I mean, you know, McCarthy already has, uh, he already said putting the U.S. government on a path toward a balanced budget. By refusing to raise taxes or cut Social Security and Medicare spending. So GOP lawmakers, this is what the GOP is going to do. Okay. They, they're basically going to, uh, they're not going to raise taxes or cut Social Security and Medicare spending. They're not going to do it. McCarthy is basically saying uh, that uh, oh, Biden's proposal is not going to be done. And even Chuck U. Schumer is, exp- is expressing skepticism. You know, uh, about the Republican plan. He's trying to, he's trying to basically say Republicans don't have a plan. Enough with the dodging. Enough with the excuses. Show us your plan. Well, they, they didn't have a plan. The plan um, is, uh, to not raise taxes. Biden's definite reduction is significantly higher than $2 trillion that he promised in his state of disunion. So, you know, they're trying to make claims out there that, you know, I, you look, they're going to, they're going to make it really hard on Biden. They're going to, they're going to expose what's going on here. I mean, You've got people wanting to talk about the Republicans' plan for the budgets without getting into what happened. Like, oh, these are the same people that don't want to talk about John Fetterman. I got to get into this in the last few minutes of our show here. Now, John Fetterman is still residing in Walter Reed Medical Hospital, if you will, after checking himself in for severe depression. Okay, so he suffers a stroke, and then he has lightheadedness a few months later. And now he suffers a stroke and he has brain damage. He gets elected to the Senate. Then a few months later, a few weeks later, he ends up with lightheadedness. And then he ends up checking himself in the water reed for severe depression. Now, whatever that means, okay? So he's doing this. And, of course, the you know, again, he's putting legislation out, bipartisan legislation that I believe is a, is a farce. I believe the unelected, his unelected staffers are doing it. I mean... He's, he's there. His staff is claiming a recovery from the stroke that is clearly going in the wrong direction. Now, there's talk of him resigning and it's been dismissed as, as uh, ableism. OK, his staff has tried to keep up appearances, making it seem as if he's working while being confined to Walter Reed. And look, it's safe to say if, if Federman were a Republican, you'd have everybody, everybody in the fake news out there calling for him depressing him to leave office and it would be an overwhelming press it'd be like a full court press but because it's a democrat you know i mean they you know there's there's the crickets is what we're getting there so there there's the circling of wagons around him in the oddest ways possible you know i mean you've got i mean you've got stories coming out that are suggesting that it's normal for a senator to co-sponsor legislation that is not that he's not even aware of you know, you have the New York Times putting a story out there that's saying it's normal to support legislation that they're not aware of. I don't understand what that even means. That means the staffers are doing it. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I guess that's the best defense these fake news people can come up with. Okay. I mean, think about it. 
Well, it's normal for a senator to have co-sponsor legislation that he's not aware of. What are you talking about? That's your defense? That's what they come up with? For a guy that, you know, can not only can't do his duties in his office, but can't even hold a conversation with somebody, that's their answer? Look, the entire point of electing a congressman or a senator is that they make decisions in the interests of the state. And I can tell you, I've never seen anything like it. I never once heard of any Senate staff co-sponsoring legislation for their senator, their boss, without the senator knowing about it. I've never heard of anything like that. It's insane. And it's contrary to the electoral system. You know, and it, it, it's, it's scandalous. I just think it's scandalous. U.S. senators are expected to carry out basic duties, or one of those is being aware of bills they're sponsoring. Let's just cut the comedy here. I mean, that's, that's the whole point here, folks. I mean, obvious to me, Fetterman, does, he didn't send the letter himself given he's locked up at a, in some sort of a mental ward somewhere with depression. Yet the New York Times goes on to proclaim that it's hardly atypical for a senator to have a staff-run institution. What are they talking about? That's not what the people of Pennsylvania elected, folks. It's not. So, you know, we can expect things to get even weirder, okay? We can expect things to get even weirder. So, I mean, well, I think there was some some story or something that showed his wife Okay, spotted in a uh, firefighting uniform, uh, fighting in a apartment fire in East Pittsburgh. I mean, I think there was a report that she was out there. Uh, you know, a picture of her wearing a firefighter's outfit. That's about how, that's 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 weird. So after after she ran off to Canada to do social media posts, and she's back in PA fighting fires. I mean, what's going on here? And People Magazine are falling all over as if you know, as if uh, you know, this this makes an ounce of sense at all. And folks, I can tell you right now. One, one, one question we're not likely to an answer to anytime soon is what's going on with John Fetterman. But we have to leave it there, folks. Uh, thanks for being with us today um, and taking your time with us at this Saturday and every Saturday right here on AM Radio 11 AWFYL. Tune in later today for our show, The Watchman. Thanks again for being with us. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now. <laughs>